no word with y'all today, but today we're going to be looking at one of my favorite passages, um, one of these passages that was just like a complete game changer for me when I first heard it um, when I was in high school, and it's in Mark 2, um, Jesus calling Levi and eating with sinners, and my friend Kyle actually modeled this principle, this idea of eating with sinners so well when I was just throughout all of high school. So my senior year, I got involved with a ministry called Young Life. Um, it's actually where I came to know the Lord at the end of my senior year. But early on, I was just going and because my friends were inviting me. And I kept hearing about this Jesus guy each and every week. And the more I learned about him, the more I realized, first off, that my, like, my preconceived notions of Jesus were way off. And secondly, like, I started falling in love more and more with the person of Jesus. And so each week I kept going back to Young Life, and then after Young Life Club each week, we would go to Wendy's, and we would go eat, and Kyle would come with us. And so we were packing out the Wendy's in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, with about 30 high schoolers. And, yeah, you can see where this is going already. But, um, and it wasn't always the right crowd. Like, I know I started inviting my friends, and while we weren't the, we ended up in the principal's office, not the police office, we still were the wrong crowd, per se. And so this group wasn't just the good kids, but most of these guys who were my friends, they would start getting rowdy, like messing with each other's food. The language would worsen as the night went on, and my buddy Kyle would just sit there and get to know us. And one of these times, one of my friends actually really opened up and started sharing some tough stuff going on in his life. And so Kyle stepped outside to talk with him, to help him, to minister to him, to love him. And it was great. But when he stepped outside, my friends and myself really started getting a bit rowdy. And um, so instead of messing with each other's food, we start throwing food. We start kind of making a mess, making a ruckus. We're getting loud, we're getting rowdy, and it ends with one of my best friends unscrewing the top off of the salt and pepper shakers, and he just takes these shakers and chucks them across the restaurant and screams, grenade! So I see these flying through the air. They land in the back of the kitchen of the Wendy's, and so the manager, obviously upset, rightfully upset, comes out just screaming her head off trying to figure out who we are, and because I invited this group of guys, everyone looked at me. We couldn't find Kyle, so everyone looked at me. And so I'm standing there just fumbling, like, uh, we're with Young Life. What church is that with? I don't think we're a church. We met in my friend's garage tonight. Like, I don't, like, I still didn't really know what we, like, this was like my third or fourth Young Life. Like, I didn't know what we were yet. But um, fortunately, Kyle ends up coming back in, explains everything to the woman, um, Myself and a couple others stayed back with Kyle, and we cleaned up the entire restaurant. And this was just, in my mind, this is such a beautiful example of what it looks like to eat with the wrong crowd. And in our passage today, Jesus and his disciples end up in a similar situation where they are eating with the quote-unquote wrong crowd. So if you could turn to Mark 2, verses 13 through 17 with me. Um, he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching them and he passed by 
and saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes and Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Lord, thank you for this word. Um, I pray that as we faithfully look at it, that you are that you are speaking through me, um, that you are speaking to us, um, that we may know you better because of this word that you have given us. And I just ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so in this passage, we see that Jesus loves the sick, the broken, the sinners, and that he comes and dines with them. And as I was looking at this passage and studying it throughout the week, there was like two things that just really stood out to me. First and foremost was the person of Christ himself, like who Jesus is in this passage. And secondly is that we all kind of fit in this passage. We're all kind of somebody in this passage. Um, But when we look at the person of Christ in this passage, we see that he is oozing compassion, that he, he is as relational as your best friend, as you are with your best friend, and yet he's also scandalous. We see his compassion through who he calls to follow him. Look at the beginning of that passage again, verses 13 and 14. He went out beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth and said to him, Follow me. And they rose and followed him. Levi was the farthest out person in this culture because he was a tax collector. If you're not aware of what a Roman tax collector was, let's just put it this way. If you think the IRS is brutal with your money, they got nothing on a Roman tax collector because the tax collectors in Rome would literally be hired to bring in a certain amount of money for the Roman government. And then they worked on commissions. So anything on top of it, so say Rome says you have to bring in 50 each month. If they bring in 150, they give that 50 to Rome, and then they get to pocket the rest. It's a great way to get rich, but they really were the outcast of society because they turned their back on their people and really were stealing from them to give it to Rome. Like, the closest thing I could come up with for, like, a modern example of this was imagine during the Cold War if somebody from America decided they were going to help the Soviet Union and how that would be received in America. Like, if they still lived in America, they were walking around in America, but they were helping the Soviet Union, it wouldn't go over well. That's the type of tension there was between the Jews and Rome. So because of this job, they, he, Levi was pretty much stripped of his status as a Jew. According to society, he was a loser. He was the lowest of the low. And yet, even though Jesus already had a crowd following him, like it says in this passage, many were following him. He has this crowd, yet he still sees Levi sitting along the side of the road and calls him to be with him. This is an act of compassion. 
but it's not like a pity compassion, like, oh, okay, buddy, you can come with me too. Because we see Jesus is not just simply compassionate, but he's relational. And Jesus shows that he is a relational God because he is eating with sinners and tax collectors. Like, that is significant. Look at verse 15 again. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. This is significant, because throughout my study, as I was studying for this passage, getting ready to preach today here, over and over and over again, I kept seeing just how important a meal was in this culture. In Middle Eastern culture, to invite someone over to a meal was a sign of friendship. It was a sign of having a relationship with this people. Like, so if Dennis invited me over for dinner after this, in Middle Eastern culture, that means it's because we're friends. We have a relationship. At the same time, to invite someone to a meal that you had a falling out with, so I can use Camper since he's not here this week. Um, say Camper was super mad at me for something I did this past week, and, that, and our relationship was estranged. We weren't talking, and he invites me over for a meal. That, in turn, is a sign of reconciliation, of trying to make an invitation to a meal is a way of saying, I want our relationship to be right again. So it's, and meals are important today, too. Just think of holidays. We don't tend to eat, like, we have these big feasts, and we tend to eat them with family and friends. We aren't, like, on Thanksgiving, we're not making the turkey and in the stuffing or dressing, as you guys call it in the South, I think. I think I have that right. I'm still, remember, from Ohio. If I use the wrong term, forgive me. But as we're making this big meal, it's not just for, it's not just for us. It's a communal thing. There's just something special about a meal. And many moments in Jesus' ministry happen around the table. And that shouldn't be shocking to us when we realize that we have a relational God, a God who wants relationship with us. Yet, the people that Jesus is being relational with is that quote-unquote wrong crowd. And this is why, G- why I said even though Jesus was compassionate and relational, he's also scandalous because the people that Jesus is eating with was scandalous in this time. Look at verse 16. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, this was mind-boggling to the Pharisees. Um but not just mind-boggling, deeply disturbing to them. So I just want you to take a second and think about someone that, like if you, or someone or something, a situation where if you walked in and saw someone that you held high respect for doing something, that as soon as you saw it, you question their character and lose respect for them, and they would be disqualified. Like, paint, just paint that picture in your head, because that is essentially what is going on for the Pharisees here. When they see Jesus being relational with these people, 
when he's having a meal with them, it is completely disqualifying for them. But this is because of how they viewed the world. The Pharisees literally separated themselves from everyone else because they believed that their salvation would come through by being separate and being holy enough. And so for a teacher of the law to be eating with sinners and tax collectors was absolutely scandalous to them. Yet, the fact that Jesus is scandalous is consistent with his calling, which he lays out in the last verse of our passage today. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. Jesus the Savior cannot do his work unless he's with sinful people. Jesus loves the sick, the broken, and the sinners, and he invites them to dine with him. And so that's who Jesus is in this passage. We see this about Jesus, but we also can see ourselves in here. We are all somebody in this passage. And we see this in the different groups of people who are at the table with Jesus. And that first group, and we've already talked about them a little bit, are the Pharisees. They were the religious rulers of the day. They were the religious fundamentalists. They went beyond biblical teaching and added to the law. But they were also the insiders. According to Tim Chester in his book, A Meal for, with Jesus, the Pharisees created these rules, and they existed to separate from the Gentiles, but from other Jews as well, particularly the poor. The Pharisees understood God's rules, but they missed the heart of God's rules. Like, they understood the law, but they missed the heart of God's law. The second group we see in this passage are the sinners, and they don't honestly say too much about them in this passage. We see that they are sitting at the table with Jesus and that they are reclining with him, that, it's, that they are engaging in this relational event with him. But they don't say too much else about it. But there is truly an irony that the Pharisees are also sinners. But it is important to understand that in this passage, when it's talking about sinners is particularly talking about the outcast of society, the ones who are broken, the ones who are not good enough to meet society's moral standards. The sinners are the ones that were not walking with God. They They weren't the ones who were following Jesus or in the synagogue. They were the outcasts. And Levi is the best example of a sinner in this passage because of him being a tax collector. Like I said, that made him an outcast. He was the lowest of the low in that society. Yet this was who Jesus called to dine, who Jesus called and who he dined with. The last group of people we see in this passage are the disciples. And again, Levi is our best example of a disciple because of Jesus calling him. And when I was doing this study, Levi really stood out to me, and, like, I grew a new appreciation for Levi because, like, he gave up a lot of money. Like, tax collectors were making a lot of money. They might, they might not have been very well-liked, but they were making good money. And so he gives up a lot of wealth and comfort to follow Jesus. 
But even more so, what I just loved about Levi is what he does as soon as Jesus calls him. He invites him over for a meal, and he wants to introduce him to his friends. Like, have you all ever met someone that you just found so cool, so awesome, that you just wanted to spend time with? And you're like, oh, man, you've got to meet my friend. Like, hey, man, you need to go meet this guy I just met. He is so awesome. Or you go find your friend, and you're like, hey, girl, we need to go get brunch with this chick. She's awesome. Like, that's what Levi is doing here. The first thing he does is go take Jesus to be with his friends. The reality is when we meet Jesus, we are never the same. This was true for both Levi and the Pharisees. For Levi, because of that relationship with God, his life was never the same. And the same was true for the others in this passage. But I also want us to look at the other disciples. Because these disciples don't really fully know Jesus yet. They very much were where I was, where in the story I shared earlier, where they liked the guy. They thought he was awesome, but they didn't know what he was fully about yet. Because this is still pretty early in Jesus' ministry. They just don't have the full picture yet. But yet they faithfully followed Jesus anyway. Even though what he doing, was doing was not, society, was not okay with society. He still... They still followed him anyway and ate with this wrong crowd, so to say. Um, one of the joys of having a weekly meeting with Dennis, by the way, is you get to learn some big words, and oftentimes they are not in English, but I'm going to take a good shot at one today because I think it describes the reality of the disciples, where the disciples stand so well. And so there's this Latin phrase, and Lord be with me as I try to pronounce this. <laughs> but it's simul justus et peccator. And what it means is that we are simultaneously just, but also a sinner. Jesus, simply by calling us and declaring us as his, makes us just. But while we are still on this earth, we are still wrestling with sin. We are both sinners and saints. We're both just yet sinners. And so one of my favorite questions that I ask our students, and hopefully they, real, they listen enough to know that I actually ask them this, but is, so why does this matter when you're sitting in class on Tuesday? Granted, class might be in a living room this year, but nonetheless, it's still important to understand why this matters. So what, whatever it looks like, why does this matter when we're six feet apart, but still in the community? And First, this matters because of the gospel of the cross and understanding who and why Jesus came. Again, in verse 17, Jesus lays this out pretty clearly that he came not for the righteous, but the sinners. And this matters because we have to understand that we all are sinners. Um, we all fall short of the glory of God. And my buddy Jeff um, when he was teaching, I think it was actually on the same passage, but as he was explaining sin, he used this analogy, and I'm going to completely rip it off, Jeff, so if you're out there watching, thanks for the, thanks for the analogy. But um, he painted this idea of imagine if you had a TV just like on your head. If you've ever seen like the iPhone heads-up game, imagine you have that, but it's, all, but it's showing everything single little thing that you are thinking throughout the day 
and not only that, so every time you see someone, every time you're talking with someone, your thoughts are scrolling across your head. They know, everyone can see, everyone can know what you truly are thinking. Furthermore, imagine if it was playing the worst moments of your life where you know you got it wrong over and over again for everyone to see. And he asked, how do you think others would describe you? And I know for me personally, the answer is they wouldn't think I'm a good person for sure. They, they, it, it wouldn't be pretty. And yet we so often tend to think that we're, okay, yeah, we all have sin. We all know that we're sinners. But we're nowhere near as bad as, like, I'm nowhere near as bad as that person. Or, like, I'm not in jail. I'm not that bad, right? Yet when we look at it this way, we realize that we all fall short of glory of God and that we all have this issue of sin. Yet, even though we have this issue of sin, Jesus still calls us. Yes, Jesus accepted the invite from Levi in this story to have dinner with him and his friends. But yet, Jesus also provided an invite to Levi and his friends. And that invite was to take and enjoy the love of God and enjoy his mercy forever. This is the invitation Jesus offers to sinners. And this is the invitation he offers to each and every one of us. We also see how God's radical grace changes our lives. But we also have to ask, how does this good news of Jesus eating with sinners, eating with us, how does this influence our lives as well? And the answer is this. It frees us to eat with sinners because we are sinners. When we realize that we are sinners, that we are broken, that we fall short of the glory of God, that we desperately need Jesus, it frees us to eat with others who desperately need Jesus. From my personal story before, like, I knew what was going on was wrong. I was at a Christian event. I knew it felt wrong, like, particularly once Kyle left the room and the food stopped staying on the place and started flying through the air. Um, And so that entire time I felt really uncomfortable because I knew this isn't how it was supposed to be. And while the situation wasn't pretty, it was beautiful because of moments like that where my buddy Cal ate with us. Later that year, I became Christian. I know other guys who were in that group also gave their lives to the Lord and follow him faithfully. Jesus used Kyle to call us and invite us to eat with him. And that's the beauty of what can happen when we eat with sinners. I want to close with a quote from a book by Brett McCracken. And I was reading this book while I was sitting in the hospital with my dad. Um, The book was called Gray Matters. And the quote reads, The scandalous thing about Jesus and his eating habits is not what he ate, but who he ate with. He dined with tax collectors, Pharisees, outcasts, and sinners of all sorts. For Jesus, the table was prime opportunity to live out his generous gospel of grace, a symbolic activity that underscores the social significance of dining and community. So I want to encourage you. 
if you were like Levi, you feel like you're the outcast, the loser, not good enough. Jesus calls you and invites you to dine with him. Likewise, if you feel like you have it all together at times, or you feel like, at least I'm not like them, I'm good enough. Because we all find ourselves there too. Like, depend, I know at least for me, it depends on the day which one I am, if I'm like the Pharisees or if I'm feeling like Levi. But regardless, remember why Jesus came and realize your sinfulness and dine with him. No matter who you are, Jesus is inviting you to his dinner party. And the invitation reads, come with me as you are and dine with me forever. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word that we could get to know you better because of the word that you've given to us. Lord, thank you for the invite. Thank you for calling us, for being relational, compassionate, yes, scandalous, that you would eat with people like us, the broken, the sick, the sinners. Yet you will dine with us for eternity because of your gospel of grace. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your son. I pray this in your name. Amen.